Welcome to the Leadership Playbook. My name is Emily Hawkins. How I used to introduce myself is, I have 15 years in supply chain, creating and leading teams, streamlining processes, managing millions of dollars. Except that's not what I do anymore. I'm a career and life coach. And I wanna take you on the journey of how to lead yourself, how to take your career to the next level, whatever that may be. I'm gonna give you tangible advice on exactly how to do what you want to do. Lead and love your life. Today, I wanna talk about middle school. Yes, middle school was so amazing, wasn't it? I'm kidding. I don't know anybody who's like, if I could go back in time, it would be to middle school because that was such an amazing time. Everything in my life was so great. (laughs) No one says that, right? And I honestly am this huge fan of analogies. And the thing that I just realized was entering the job market, deciding that you want to go find a new job is so similar to being in middle school. And I actually had a lot of fun coming up with this list, the top 10 reasons why the job market and middle school are the same and (laughs) how awful they are. So uh, again, I truly enjoyed putting this list together because wow, these similarities are crazy. So I just want to jump right in because I know you're dying to know How are these things similar? Where is this analogy going to go? Well, jump on the middle school bus with me and let's ride into awkwardness. And that's where I'm going to start. It's awkward. So when you're in middle school, what's awkward? Everything, right? And you know, your body's changing and your friendships are changing. Everything's different. So it's super awkward. Well, the job market kind of feels the same way, right? It's a lot of change. Clearly, you're not happy where you are and you're needing to go into another place. That's a lot of change and you got to navigate it. And naturally, it's just super awkward, right? So I feel like right there, you know, it's not anything that anybody knows well. But leading to my next one, number two, everyone else seems to know what they're doing. So it never fails that I hear people in the comparison game in the job market saying, all my friends are getting interviews or all my friends have these great jobs or da, 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 da. Everyone else is winning at this job market thing where I suck. And if you look at middle school, don't you feel the same way? Middle school, you were like, everybody else knows what they're doing. And I married, not to brag, but I married somebody who was very popular in middle school, which has gotten him nowhere in life, by the way. But (laughs) he told me that even being big man on campus, he always felt like he was doing it wrong. You know, that everybody else had it figured out or that they were going to figure him out. And I feel that's the same way in the job market. There are people you know or other candidates if you happen to be, you know, sitting in the lobby waiting and you look over and this person really just seems to have their crap together. I promise you on the inside, that person really doesn't. They do not have it figured out. So I just feel like do not let that get into your head. And number three, fitting in seems better than standing out right? So I hear all the time, conversations start with me like this. I have an unorthodox career plan. 
You know, the, the past that I have is just all over the place. Or my skill set is so bizarre. It's so different. And so I'm just looking at job descriptions and just writing what's in there exactly in there so that I fit exactly what they're looking for. And I'm not getting anything back. And I'll tell you the same with fitting in seems better than standing out in middle school, right? Like, don't do anything different. Don't be anything different. Because you don't want to get called out. Well, in the job market and in middle school, honestly, when you're just yourself, it's way better, but it's really hard to actually feel that way in both scenarios. So in the job market, you think, I better have this exact thing. You know, I better make sure that everyone feels this way about me. I had a client once who kept telling me, this is the problem with this, by the way, the story I'm about to tell you, that they landed all the jobs, right? They, they landed every job they ever interviewed for, but they hated the job once they were in it. And that can happen in middle school too, right? You become something that everybody else, you know, wants or whatever, but then you're not happy because you're not being you. And this person actually that I worked with decided to open his own business. And I'm so proud of you. Uh, you are kicking butt and taking names because you're owning who you are, which I just love. And there are ways of doing that in the job market. In fact, you're going to get more hits and you're going to get more interviews if you're actually showing your uniqueness and not trying to fit in so much and make sure you have all the boxes checked. Because guess what? When you are like everyone else, then you are like everyone else. You're not standing out. There's nothing special about you. So just keep that in mind. Number four, you are desperate for anyone to like you. (laughs) I'm laughing because of the middle school thing, not because of the job search thing, right? Because desperation's ugly. If you remember it in middle school, super ugly. Maybe even had braces then. But If you think about it in the job market, it really repels people because desperation is so ugly. And it really repelled people in in middle school too, right? Because if you're like, please like me, please like me, nobody really wants to be friends with you. The reason nobody wants to be friends with you when you're that way is because they're assuming something's wrong with you. Why are you this desperate to make friends? Is there something that you're hiding from me? Well, guess what? In the job market, it's exactly the same way. If you are so desperate for that job, they start to wonder, what's wrong with this person? Why are they so desperate? Is there something I don't know? And let me just tell you that our brains go in really crazy places when we feel desperation from people. And it's not always accurate, right? It's it's crazy. It's like chicken little stuff. The sky is falling. This person has, you know, all sorts of problems. Now you don't even have, you just want a job. So just remember, desperation is ugly. It was ugly in middle school. You didn't hang out with those people. You didn't want to hang out with those people. And in the job market, people don't want to hang out with you either when you're desperate. And even on a piece of paper, that can show through in so many ways. So <laughs> the next one is, no matter how long ago it was, you look back on it and shudder. So if you are currently not looking for a job, but you're thinking back to when you were looking for a job, 
is not a pleasant thing, right? Unless you're one of those people, and I have been in this boat where I was employed, I was not looking for a job, and one of my old coworkers called me and had an opportunity. So I never truly entered the job market because I was able to interview at this other job while I had a job and was, wasn't really actively seeking anything and it just fell in my lap, right? I realized that, but that's not as common as it used to be. And honestly, it's not being proactive, right? I think it's important every few years to go out in the job market when the stakes aren't so high, by the way, because one, it takes away desperation, which we learned before, not a good thing. But two, it makes you polish your skills a little bit and feel a little more at ease because the longer you are away from something, the more you look back at it and kind of freak out a little bit, right? So I look back in middle school and that was many years ago for me at this point. And I'm like, oh, it was so awkward. And the reason it was so awkward and the reason I shudder is because I didn't know anything, right? I felt unprepared. I didn't understand the friendship. It goes back to the change, right? Where I was saying before about it doesn't matter where you are, you just feel awkward, right? So it's it's very similar to that. But I want you to know, don't let yourself get too far away from it so that you don't look back and shudder. Because if you look back too far, you leave too much time between interviewing or polishing up your resume or anything like that, the task of actually doing it is terrifying. So if somebody said to me today, um, we are going to make you a middle schooler again, woo, that was too many years ago for me. I'm out. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> but if I could take a crash course on what it's like to be in middle school today, what kids are doing, how that's like, maybe I'd be more willing to do it, you know? And so it, the longer it's been for you, the more likely you are to shudder at that job market piece. But I don't want you to. All right, number five, brand names matter. <laughs> now, what I actually mean by this is, it's really funny, by the way, that every single time I give you one of these, I laugh at my own jokes. That's really sad, but I'm leaving it in because, well, that's me. My husband thinks it's ridiculous that I laugh at my own jokes, but enjoy. So brand names matter. Actually, brand names and keywords to me are the same thing. So in middle school, brand names, when I was in school, it was cool to wear colored guest jeans. So I had a black pair of guest jeans. I had a blue pair. I don't mean like normal jean blue. I mean like funky blue. Uh, I had, I know I had a brown pair. I loved that brown pair of jeans. And I know I had a few other colors. Now I know some people wear, you know, white jeans are still a thing and black is still a thing, but not, not like early 90s color jeans. Nobody wears that anymore. And then there was also the, you know, like tapering the jeans. Anyway, like you did this tight roll thing that was super ugly. Uh, none of that matters for what I'm going to say. I just am fond, fondly remembering that. Brand names, those guest jeans. It was so important to me to have those jeans because if I had those jeans, then everybody would like me. Guess what? I just told you I owned like four different color pair of the jeans and I still was not super popular. <laughs> the jeans did not really dictate anything, my likability, right? Um, and that's what I want to say about keywords. So we all feel like, oh my gosh, 
if I had the keywords, if I had the keywords, then life would, everything would change. I want to tell you that just like those brand names, you can have all the keywords in the world, but if you don't have the skills and you don't know how to form sentences around those keywords, because guess what? Keywords are everywhere. They're in your LinkedIn profile. They're on your resume. And they're not just a section of those that say keywords. It's every sentence you write. And I've, I've gotten resumes from people where they get keyword happy and they just throw them in everywhere and then their sentences don't make any sense. Somebody's reading them. Eventually somebody's reading your resume and if you're just throwing in those keywords, then people are not going to hire you because they know the game you're playing. It's not well structured. So what I want to say is brand names matter. Yes, right? Those those They matter in terms of getting your foot in the door. But at the end of the day, I wore the guest jeans so that I would fit in. But did that make me who everybody else wanted to be? No, me being me made me who everybody else wanted to be around. So it's exactly the same for these keywords. You know, use them where they fit you, but don't forget that you need value and structure and a dynamic resume to really speak your gifts and talents. That's incredibly important. Number six, who you associate with matters. I know what you're thinking. I just said that. Yes, I did just say that. It does matter who you hang out with. So I've mentioned this before. I will probably repeat this until the day I die, and I'm not the only person who uses this. It's very common. You are the average of the five people you hang out with the most. So if you are hanging out with movers and shakers, as my mom used to say, the doers of the world, the leaders, the people that see it and solve it, they don't just, you know, rest on their laurels. They're not bitter. They're actually better every single day. You will inherit that. It, it's like you feed off of it in a way. When you're around somebody that gets stuff done, you start to get stuff done yourself. It's just how it works. But if you're associating yourself with victims, with bitter, you know, oh, everything in my life is so awful. I blame the government. I blame, you know, my spouse. I blame my friends. I blame, I don't know, whoever you want to blame. Yeah, that's not going to get you anywhere. And when you're surrounded by people like that, it's hard not to get mired in that. It's almost like quicksand. Which, by the way, as a child, I thought quicksand was going to be a much bigger deal than it actually is uh, in my late 30s. So <laughs> if you watched any sort of cartoons or Wonder Woman or anything like that, wasn't there always quicksand? And that's like not a thing at all. Like I don't even know where quicksand is. Anyway, I want you to know that who you hang out with can be your version of quicksand or they can be like one of those awesome jump parks where you jump and you can, you know, I, I love going to the jump parks with my kids. It's just basically a giant room with trampolines. And if you're on a trampoline, it feels like you're five again. It's amazing. If you are around amazing people, those doers, those movers and shakers, they're your trampolines, right? They keep you bouncing and going and excited and you bounce back quick. Or you can hang out with the quicksand people, the victims, right? So who you associate with, you're feeding off their energy. 
So remember that. Number eight, rejection letters. Well, they're the bullies that you saw in middle school. Now, I was never bullied in middle school, but I knew how to stay away from the bullies. You know, you know who they you know who they were. It was it's very clear who the bullies were. And you knew, okay, you just need to stay away, but show a certain level of toughness so that you fit in and da 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 da, you know, all that. Well, rejection letters they don't work like that, right? You cannot hide from a rejection letter. I think every single person on earth has received a rejection letter. If you haven't, then mm, good for you. Either you're not applying to enough things, you're not trying hard enough, or I don't know, you're just not somebody I want to know. <laughs> I have received so many rejection letters. In fact, when I was in college, I interviewed for an internship because everybody said, you know, get an internship. So glad I did, by the way. Internship was amazing. If you're somebody looking for an internship, keep staying the course on that. Find one because it truly is a game changer. So I interviewed, it was one of my first interviews ever, which you know you're going to bomb just because you have no experience. I was 20 years old, really young, didn't know what I was doing. And so I got a rejection letter, right? I didn't make the cut. And at the end of the rejection letter, and this is common, right? I think we've all seen it where it says, we'll keep your information on file if anything comes up. Well, I've always thought of that as like when a boyfriend says, you know, they're breaking up with you and they're like, but we'll still be friends. And you're like, no, we won't. I mean, if that's what we're going to say, that's fine. But no, we're not going to remain friends. (laughs) If that makes you sleep better at night, okay, let's just say that. That's what I feel like about these rejection letters, right? Is they're like, oh, we'll keep your stuff on file. Well, this company was legit. They kept my stuff on file. And every six months for the next two years, I received a rejection letter from them. (laughs) And I really wish I still had it because it was so funny. Every time I would get it, I'd be like, and I'm still not good enough. Awesome. Uh, So that felt a little bullying though, right? Because what does a bully make you feel? They make you feel that somehow there's something wrong with you. You're not good enough. You're not one of us. You know, we're going to make fun of you. And even knowing a rejection letter, I've never had a rejection letter that's like, you are a horrible human being. But that's what it feels like, especially if it's a job you really, really wanted. When you get that email or the letter in the mail, I don't know if they even do letters in the mail anymore, but when you get that, you automatically think, I'm a horrible human being. And what I want you to know about bullies and rejection letters is they don't matter in the grand scheme of things. You know, the bully, by the way, is really insecure. And they want to get to others before anyone gets to them. And so that's their way of pulling, right? The rejection letter, to me, is a badge of honor, because it means you tried. You put yourself out there. One of my favorite quotes, uh, The Man in the Arena, if you haven't read it, please Google The Man in the Arena. Arena. It's basically uh, from Theodore Roosevelt. It's not the critic that counts. It's the man in the arena with their face mired in dust and sweat that matters because they're in it, right? So I want you to remember that. And every time I do anything hard... I actually print that quote out and put it on my computer because I have to remember no matter what is said to me, that bullying mentality, that rejection, 
I'm the one in the arena. So the critic doesn't count. So remember that. And honestly, I have a ritual too. When you get a rejection of something that really you wanted, you should go celebrate because there's something better coming for you. So remember that. Celebrate that that's not the opportunity. I know this is way easier to say than do, but I'm telling you, it's, it's such a beautiful thing when you can do it. Okay, number nine, you're constantly thinking about what to wear, <laughs> right? When you're in middle school, I know this seems like the brand name thing, but it's actually not. What I mean by this in middle school is it's like, okay, on, and maybe I'm the only one who did this, but okay, on Monday, I wore the leggings with the shirt. Did you ever wear stirrup pants? That was totally a thing when I was in school. And I, again, I had many colors. Colors were big in pants when I was in middle school, clearly. Um, but it was very important. Well, I wore that on Monday. So on Tuesday, I need to wear this. And on Wednesday, I needed to wear that. If you went to a school with a uniform, oh, so lucky here. So lucky. You did not feel this. But I also had a neighbor that went to a private school and wore uniforms, and it was about the earrings and the socks. So I think we all had something that we stressed over clothing-wise. And in the job market, it's the same way, right? Here's what I hear all the time. How do I dress? Do I dress up? Do I dress down? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I will tell you that in middle school, again, it was like brand names and like don't wear the same thing three days in a row or anything like that. Like that's pretty simple, right? Well, in the job market, what I would say is if you are going to an interview, first of all, it's a, if it's a, a phone interview, nobody sees what you're wearing. Just FYI, you know that, right? If it's a Skype interview or a Zoom interview, then wear a nice professional top, you know, and that can mean a lot of things, but just professional. I don't think you need to show up in a suit for that, but you need to look business casual is what I would say. And business casual, by the way, is what most people are moving to, but I'm going to say that unless they tell you for that on-site interview, so you get the note, we're inviting you to an on-site interview, unless they say in that what you were supposed to wear, you were showing up in a suit. I don't care how laid back this place is. If they have not told you, I want you to overdress. Now, if you go back in for another interview, it, to me, it would be okay to show up in the same attire that you saw everyone else in. But you also need to make sure that when you interview, it's not casual Friday. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have another interview on Tuesday and it's business attire again. So just be very cognizant of the environment you're in and slightly overdress. I'm a huge fan of just slightly overdressing. Uh, that's never going to go wrong. Uh, nobody's ever going to, you know, dock you points unless you show up in like, I don't know, a prom dress, a cocktail dress. That's a little over the top. Don't show up in a tuxedo. Again, totally wrong. But other than that, slightly overdressed works really well. So finally, number 10, you overanalyze every interaction. <laughs> so I know in middle school, this is every conversation I had in middle school. So I was like, oh my God. And then he was like, I don't know. He just looked, he looked at me and I'm pretty sure that means he likes me. And then he was like, hey, whatever. And I was like, <laughs> yes, that is middle school, Emily. I just channeled her. I know none of us want to be friends with her. So what I mean here is 
I constantly have these conversations with my clients. Well, I had this meeting and I bombed it. You know, that's what they'll say. And I'm like, okay, well, what happened? Share with me what happened. Well, you know, I was, I was, the things that we talked about, I, I did all those things. And then they just said, okay. You know, the person I was interviewing with said, okay. And so I know I failed and they're not going to call me. <laughs> um, you know, we do it in middle school too, where we're like, this is the way somebody looks at us or their body language. And we're like immediately like, oh, no, they don't like me. And what I want to say is give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, most people don't have very good social skills. So it's okay if people don't look you in the eye when you're interviewing, maybe they're taking notes. And some people just don't have a lot of effervescence about them. So even knowing they might on the inside say, wow, this is such a great candidate, they don't show that on the outside. None of that. So it's okay. It's all about knowing that you're doing everything right. And you can overanalyze those all day, but it's not going to change what happened. And one lady in particular that I worked with, she called and she was crying and she's like, I'm never going to get anything. I mean, it went so poorly. I, I did everything you said. I just don't think that I'm right for this. And so we have this conversation and then two hours later, she sends me an email and she's like, right after I got off the phone with you, they offered me the job. So I want you to know that the job market does not have to be like middle school. It's all about how you prepare. It's about your mindset. And it's about really owning and embracing your gifts and talents. And if this episode hit you, I would love to invite you to my monthly course, Market Me. If you are interested in this, I would love to have you on my wait list because it is currently not open. We have a course going on. It will open in February, but I do want to invite you. It won't be anything like middle school. We will laugh. We will have fun. We're going to take all the awkwardness out of this. And if you don't know anything about this course, it actually takes you from soup to nuts, resume, interviewing, everything you need to know about negotiating and even believing in yourself and finding that dream role for yourself. So if you're interested, go to the show notes and there's a link there that says, put me on the wait list. So I would love to have you on there. If you loved this, please share it with a friend. And I want you to subscribe. I don't want you to miss any of these episodes. They will drop each week. And I want it to just show up for you in your iTunes or SoundCloud options. So subscribe now and I'll see you here next week. Did you love what you heard today and you want more? Sign up for my weekly email in the show notes. It's packed with tips and tricks to lead and love your life. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram by typing in Emily Hawkins, the number four, the letter U. I'll see you here next week.